and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 177. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today to talk to you about video games. If you're on the YouTube version, you might notice something a little different. Uh, I am putting on my camera this week so you can look at my, my face if you want to. Um, so I don't know if this is something that will continue on. Uh, the, the main goal with the podcast is to make it as easy as possible for me to put something out every week, which is probably why the format has not evolved all that much. Uh, and why like trying to add footage to the, the podcast in terms of gameplay always kind of fell through because it just took a lot more effort than, than it really, really the time I would dedicate to something like this. Um, so yeah, I am, if you want to come to the YouTube version, my face is here. Um, I do have like this light in the background that might be kind of blinding, but you know, my head should be covering it most of the time, but otherwise podcast format still going to be pretty much the same. And I'll do the same thing that I think all other podcasts try to do is try to avoid too many situations where I'm like picking up something and being like, Hey, look at this here. Look at this game. I put, I'm going to not say the name of this game and hold this case in front of it. But if you're on YouTube, you're the only one who knows what game I'm holding right now. So Sucks for you, audio listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm not going to try to do stuff like that, obviously. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. This week's going to be um, a bit light. We might do a video gaming bit this week, which has been, I feel like, the first time in a long time. I always want to do video game bits. If you don't know what that is, that's where I just talk about a random game that comes out of my uh, backlog. Right? I just have like a, uh, I use the fortune cookie feature over there and just pull a random game out of there and just talk about it for a bit. Um, one of my favorite features that I very rarely make time for. Um, but in terms of what, you know, I have been playing this week, though, I went ahead and finished up Sinner Kagura Reflections. I don't want to go too much more deeper into that. My my feelings from last week pretty much are the same. Uh, I do have some additional thoughts into how some of the more um, fan servicey elements are handled in terms of, you know, the dialogue and things like that. Um, and, and in some ways, I think the game is successful in, in creating like a, an improved version of the center uh, intimacy mode, but also that it, it, it kind of fails in some ways too, in, in expanding that concept out. So I will probably do like a full video review of center reflections. It just, I have enough feelings on that game that I feel like it's probably appropriate. If, if that changes for any reason, I'll let you know, uh, at the very least, I'll probably do like a casual review of it. So you'll, you'll see some sort of video come up for it. Probably sometime in uh, late November, or if it's a full review, maybe maybe early December, depending on how the content rollout works. Um, so I finished that up. It's about ten hours long to do all the all the girls in that game. There's five five girls. Only one is included in the original package if you bought the digital version, uh, Asuka. And there's like four other girls that you can buy via via DLC for extra ten dollars. But the physical version that I got from Limited Run Games includes all the DLC. So I basically went through and played through all the characters. There is some additional dialogue I could get out of the game if I went and basically like. There's like a bunch of different scenarios that you can have with each girl and and if you like massage different parts of her body it will will do different different bits of dialogue. Um but it's kind of uh, yeah. 10 I think 10 hours of that is plenty enough for me and getting all the credits for all the main endings of the game. I, I don't think I need to get every single little dialogue or every single little bit of dialogue out of the title itself. Uh, I also went through and play, played uh, Captain Commando with a c- couple friends in the uh, Capcom beat em up bundle. 
Uh, that's a, a bundle of Capcom beat-em-ups um, from the arcade. And many of them are anywhere between three, and I think one of them is actually four-player. And I think Final Fight's on there is two-player. But most of the games in the collection are three-player. And, and Captain Commando was the first one we started with, mainly because it's the shortest. And we were, we were kind of starting pretty late that night in terms of our multiplayer gaming session. Um, so played played a bit of that. I, I didn't really have any strong feelings for that game. I hadn't haven't really heard about it before. I was aware of Captain Commando, which I think was some kind of like Capcom uh, mascot character for a while. I don't know if he came before Mega Man or if that was you know something that that happened later on and and they just kind of were shuffling characters around trying to figure out who works with, best with them. Sounds like he was in a Marvel versus Capcom game or something, but I haven't played. Uh, much Marvel versus Capcom. I, I mainly am familiar with Tatsunoko versus Capcom. Uh, but yeah, it was it's a pretty straightforward beat-em-up. You just kind of choose between one of four characters, I believe. Uh, maybe it was three characters. I think it's four characters. And and you just kind of go and you press the attack button. Um, there's a couple different special moves, moves you can get. Um, and some of them I didn't really figure out till the end of the game. So I didn't really fully utilize my character. I played the ninja. Um, there is some like some nice touches to the the presentation where like depending on which character uh, kills the final boss, there'll be like a different death animation. So as like the ninja, what would happen is when I when I did the final blow on the boss, they like split in half kind of thing. Um, so there's some nice touches like that. But otherwise, it's a very straightforward beat em up game. Um, I did have an interesting conversation with the people in my my multiplayer group about that game, or really beat em ups in general. How they kind of grew up with beat em ups in the arcade, and and to them, beat em ups were kind of like some big technological achievement that could only really be you know achieved in the arcade experience. And they 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 said it was very much a I think the, the exact wording they used was like beat em ups for our childhood in some ways, which is interesting because as somebody who, or interesting for me at least, because as somebody who did not really grow up with the arcade scene, uh, beat em ups were definitely fine, but they seemed very, um, very gimmicky to me, like in terms of just being kind of like, you know, something you kind of just mash through and, and press the attack button through and, it, and it's a quarter muncher, right? It's, it's, it's designed to pull quarters out of you. I mean, really, our, all arcade games are to some extent, right? Um, but in the case of, of beat-em-ups, they felt particularly egregious in that regard and in a way that I feel like um, only, only arcade games could be um, at that time, at least. So it was it was a little a little interesting to kind of hear their thoughts on on why those games stood out to them. It really came down to to technological being a technological showpiece, like you know achieving far beyond what the Super Nintendo could achieve or or something like that. Um, but I, I don't know if I really um, I don't love beat 'em ups as the thing though. Is it like I find them to be great like mindless time killers like if my dad comes over and we're like okay we're gonna play a video game like well dad you know how to press the x button on this xbox controller do it and then we beat 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 him up in like an hour right and then that's just kind of it we play on free play because no credits <laughs> we're not gonna do any kind of any kind of like continue challenge or something like that right um so so to me they've always been just kind of like this this quick quick like fleeting experience that you have just to fill some time they're almost like roller coaster rides in some ways they're just kind of this fun thing to go through um but they never really were substantial experiences in my my personal opinion and i think that's a part of part of the reason why i haven't really fallen in love with that many uh i, I really like growl mainly because the voice acting's pretty awful <laughs> that's an interesting game if, if you haven't looked up growl I would, I would at the very least recommend going and looking at like a long play and having that just run in the background at some point um, and then I also like the Dungeon and Dragons uh, beat 'em up uh, games that happened. I think Shower of Mistara specifically was the the one I really liked. And when it came to like um, when they kind of expanded that concept with Dragon's Crown in a lot of ways, I kind of didn't like what Dragon Crowns did because it did kind of get away from that like 
impulsive, we're just going to play through this in one sitting kind of thing. Dragon's Crown felt like, like, I feel like if my dad came over, let's continue to use my dad as an example. My dad came over and I tried to play Dragon's Crown with them. It, it would just be like too much, right? Um, and so I think that that is part of, maybe part of why I don't like Dragon's Crown is it kind of goes against the experience of what I imagine a beat-em-up to be. Um, it gets closer to like that action RPG experience, but it doesn't go far enough that I really, I really like it kind of thing. Anyways, I didn't mean to talk about Dragon's Crown today. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Captain Commando. It was fine. Maybe that whole whole conversation is probably uh, relevant in the fact that I really don't have that much to say about Ca- Captain Commando. Just beat him up in general. <laughs> um, and that's kind of it, honestly, when it comes to game playing. I, I finished up Bionic Commando. I think by last week I'd already finished that up too. Um, so I worked on a, a casual review for that. So that's planned to go up sometime in early November. Um, but otherwise, I just need to kind of move forward with something now. And I, I've been kind of reluctant because I knew... At some point, I was going to have to start Xenoblade Chronicles X again this year, and I, I'm a little hesitant to want to do so because it is just like, <laughs> I, I I spent all this year trying to get through Shining Resonance and stuff like that, and, 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 and like being stuck on a lot of games, and so to get jump back, back into a game that I was trying to finish up early this year, it was like, I'd rather just play a new game, but once I get started on Xenoblade Chronicles X, I'm sure I'll I'll get back in the groove and, and, and enjoy it and, and won't won't be you know too too disappointed by playing it i, I want to put at least a good 30 hours into it uh probably before the end of november and then hopefully depending on how things go you know maybe late december early january put another 30 hours in and hopefully by then i'm, I'm kind of close to finishing that game up i, I really want to finish that game up as, as being a monolith soft fan i feel like i have to finish Xenoblade chronicles x even if i'm not super loving the game or really have anything to add to it so so when it comes to podcasts and what i'm playing there might be a little bit of downtime i might try to you know, stick in some some smaller games here and there and and try to you know continue to have opinions i'm sure i'll continue to talk about multiplayer stuff but I'm sure the Xenoblade Chronicles X updates will not be that that exciting or anything like that. So what have I done with my time this week since I haven't been playing video games? Well, um, a lot of it has been kind of work-related stuff, I feel like, to some degree. Um, also, just like some ad- general other adulting kind of things. Um, but while I was at home this week, one thing I, I did um, was in the background, I had up this like three and a half hour long... Uh, YouTube video that was like a bunch of news reports from from um, Japanese TV channels from uh, like late 1999 early 2000 uh, just kind of covering the the Dreamcast uh, the launch of the PS2 and then like kind of the tail end of like the PlayStation 1 Nintendo 64 and it was a fun thing to like sit down and look at one of the things I did not love while I was in Japan uh, earlier this year is like I did not love Japanese TV is one of those things that you know I always heard people say you got to watch some Japanese TV while you're in Japan and I just didn't it was fine maybe maybe I was spoiled on it by you know so many years being exposed to that that kind of stuff like you know hey 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 music champ and things like that um, or it's just kind of like you have these kind of exotic shows in some ways that are that are very visually stimulating and and kind of over the top in a lot of ways. So when you like go and see that in Japan, it's like, oh, yeah, this looks like the thing I was seeing before. But maybe like the because it's not just like the the, the highlights of it, you're just getting kind of a raw footage of, of this stuff happening. It's like a lot of weirdly enough, like YouTube reaction kind of things of just like Japanese 
you know, like uh uh presenters just like sitting in the corner like with their face like in a in a window while some video plays out and they're just like reacting like oh <laughs> um, so it's 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 something that didn't really really jump out at me but this was a fun thing to watch just because of um the actual content of of what they're talking about uh there's just some things i, I wasn't particularly familiar with uh or or really just was kind of like fun things to kind of to see another another like perspective on in terms of like you know it being covered in, in real time alongside these things being announced um one thing was there's a a uh, merry christmas seaman segment i had no idea that seaman for the dreamcast had a christmas spinoff kind of thing and i actually had a hard time finding some some gameplay footage of this on youtube i had to actually look it up in katakana to to find uh some actual gameplay probably because you know actually playing seaman requires you to have you know, a decent understanding of Japanese if you're going to be playing the Japanese version of the game. There's the American version, and obviously you can do it in English. But as far as I understand, Merry Christmas even never came out in the uh, the U.S. So I'm guessing there's probably not a lot of um, English-speaking YouTubers who are covering Merry Christmas semen outside of just being like, uh, here's this interesting curiosity thing, and I'm going to show you the packaging, but not really do anything else kind of thing. Uh, that was cool. I didn't really know that much about that. Um, and then also they had, I apparently have never seen gameplay for Fantavision for the PlayStation 2 before. Like I was sitting there looking at Fantavision and was like, I've, I don't think I've ever seen this game before. <laughs> like I've heard people talk about it all the time when it talks about like the, you know, the PS2 launch lineup. That was kind of the, the game I heard about during the PS2 launch lineup, to be honest. Um, immediately, I think everybody always talks about it within the context of it's a pretty disappointing game overall, but it was just the first time I saw it and it's very, very simple. It's like, a, I think, I wonder actually if, if I can't remember if the Japanese name is actually Fantavision or if it has something to do with Hanabi. I feel like, I feel like a lot, I've seen a lot of games in Japan where, where the, the title will just be like Hanabi or whatever, just like a, I think like a summer festival kind of thing with, with fireworks. I feel like there's like a bunch of game, Game Boy Advance games or something that you can find based about Hanabi. Maybe I'm misspeaking. Miss, miss I don't know. Don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of interested to see that. And it's just like a lot of junk though. Like like there's the um, the video chat application for, for the Dreamcast. They had this Dreamcast Eye that was sitting on top of these TVs and you could place video calls, uh, I assume between Dreamcasts. And they also had somebody who was using a actual video phone on a desk, um, which was kind of interesting. I, I don't know much about video communications back then, but the, actually the, the, the place I work with work with in my my normal day-to-day life actually does have some relationship with uh phone communications kind of thing so so one thing that that is kind of the standard for video calls there's like sip phone video for phone and so i wonder if they're just doing like sip video and that's how those were were communicating but i don't know if sip video is that old like i'm, I'm only fairly recently involved in this scene so i don't know if if that's like the standard for for many years or if this is something relatively new but i thought it was kind of interesting to see like the actual desk phone being used in in conjunction with the dreamcast to place those video calls back and forth like okay bring your dreamcast in the office and we have a video conference gonna use my dreamcast eye for my zoom meeting <laughs> so so yeah i had a lot of yeah it's just like a fun weird video there's a lot of weird stuff in there i won't go too much more into it because I, I feel like i'm just rambling at this point and there's plenty of other garbage in there i'll link the video in the description if you're interested in seeing it um i think i linked it on twitter too just because like hey, you want to see this this sure is something you could watch. The video quality at times is horrendous of, of the videotapes, but it was an interesting thing, thing to see and just like fun to have on the background, not pay that much attention to it, but you know, look, and then suddenly the guy who who's like developing Legend of Dragoon has like this big dragon arm on his head or on his hand or something. And he's just, it's just like, okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> it's just like, it's just weird stuff like that. 
In terms of game news this week, um, I, I don't have a lot. One is there's the Cotton Reboot. That's coming to North America and Europe in 2021. Um, I don't have a lot to say about it other than I think the special edition looks pretty cool. It's it's definitely, um, you know, looking to be... It's trying to replicate that, that like, PC-style uh, packaging in some ways. It's like a big plastic thick box kind of thing. Um, and, it's, and it's, you know, Beep has this name attached to it. If you don't know, Beep is like some Japanese uh, uh, store in Japan that's heavily re- associated with, with um, retro computers specifically. They do retro games in general too. Like you can go find Super Famicom games and stuff there if you want to. Um, but it's not really a, a big selection. And, and really the focus is on, I think, retro PCs there. PC-98s, FM Towns, things like that. Um, so it, it, it's, 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 I don't know if they... Like they're they're just like a small store, so I really kind of question their their actual engagement in these kind of things in terms of you know <laughs> how much they're involved in producing them and publishing. I don't know if they're just like basically using their name because their name has like some value in that community who would be interested in like some kind of cotton special edition kind of thing. But yeah, it's like a shooter kind of thing, very nineties looking uh, aesthetics and, and it's pretty cute. If you haven't looked at it yet, I would definitely, you know, look into it. Um, I, it reminds me a little bit of, um, what's that Sega CD game. That's really, really popular. Is that like magical chase or something like that. Um, I, I don't remember what, what exactly is. It kind of reminds me of that a little bit though. Um, but yeah, it's got a cute look. And then I also saw this, um, Chinese mobile game called Love in Deep Space. Uh, it caught my eye because the, the graphics actually were pretty, pretty, pretty good overall. Like, admittedly, like mobile games are, we're well past the, you know, the days when mobile games were, were, you know, kind of visual messes. I mean, I mean, there's, it is like, like a lot of modern games, like the, the, the visual, quality is on a scale depending on what the developer is capable of right um but love and deep space just particularly looked really clean overall um and and i i liked how it looked aesthetically it's kind of um i guess you could say i don't know if i want to say it's otome game-ish but like basically you're a main girl and you have like three three guys uh that you can you can fight with and you're in this like very clean futuristic looking city kind of thing and you seem to fight in pairs and it's very flashy um uh, your your girl character seems to basically have a bunch of like pistols and and sniper rifles so she like kind of hangs back and shoots while the guy kind of seems to be kind of close range or at least the the one in particular that i'm thinking of right now is was was kind of close range but i think like the the play style for each of them is, is pretty you know pretty different in, t- in terms of animations i guess just to say because you know as a mobile game it's basically just like a bunch of buttons on screen you're basically pressing those buttons i mean in some ways that's all video games right um but but i think specifically mobile games like like if you think of like what an like an rpg mobile game looks like sometimes they'll just have like button actions assigned across a bunch of buttons and they have like cooldown timers and things like that and it seemed to be very much that kind of thing of of just kind of you know pressing those as the cooldown timers uh you know fill out and then and then while while those cooldown timers are ticking you're kind of just like mashing an attack button to play out some animations but it just had a really nice and clean look to it but being a a mobile game be a chinese mobile game so i don't even know if it's going to be coming out in any other regions um it's it's not something that i'm ever going to touch but i just thought it looked really nice aesthetically i like the um i i like the super pretty clean like handsome men character design going on in there too um so it looked it looked pretty nice so that's pretty much it for the standard podcast. 
Um, I'm going to go ahead and do a, a video gaming bit this week. I think we, honestly, I probably could end the podcast now, but, but I would, I think the quality of what we talked about is maybe a little, a little questionable <laughs> at this point. So, so we'll see. Um, but we'll go ahead and do a video gaming bit. So I'm going to go ahead and like I said at the beginning of the show, just pull a random game out of my uh, backloggery that I have beaten. Hopefully, sometimes it pulls out some random stuff that I haven't. Um, and then and then just talk about it a little bit, assuming it has something I could talk about it with. Like Trace Memory for the Nintendo DS. And, man, what do I want to say about Trace Memory? Well, I kind of came to Trace Memory pretty late, actually. If you don't know, this is by Sing, who is the developers of the Hotel Dusk series, um, as well as... What else did they do? They worked on Little King Story a little bit as well, and they had some other games, like with Tecmo, I think they did some game called Again that I never got around to playing. Um, but those those other games, I mean, they're all very adventurous in some ways, where you're you're kind of you know walk navigating an environment and then having these these series of dialogues with characters. But a lot of things later stuff after Trace Memory definitely felt more dialogue intensive. Um, I think it pr- largely came out of you know generally Hotel Dusk being pretty well received, and it just having this very detective vibe to it. I mean. Kyle Hyde is literally a detective, right? So he's trying to solve some some mystery and you're kind of walking around and talking to people and going through these dialogue sequences. And Trace Memory and, and another Code R in, as well um, on, on the the Wii. Trace Memory is the, the US name, by the way. The, the Japanese name and uh, European name is, is another code and the Wii game's another Code R. So technically you can say the Wii game's Trace Memory R. Anyways, all that aside, um, it's very puzzle-focused instead. So... Yes, seeing other games have puzzles in them and stuff, um, but but this game definitely felt like it leaned a lot more that way, and and so you're, it's kind of like this top down perspective. And you're kind of walking around the environments and things like that, um, and you're doing just like a variety of touchscreen based puzzles. And being a, being a fairly early DS game, it definitely focuses on um, making full use of the, the the hardware itself in a way that actually feels um, feels like a a pretty unique way well maybe not unique maybe maybe they just kind of went on and on it harder because like if you look at stuff like lost in blue on ds uh, i think even zelda phantom hourglass they still played with some of the features of the system like you know when you close the ds screens you know the system goes to sleep and then when you open it back up you know wakes back up and they'd use that as a way to kind of you know pretend like you're imprinting something from the top screen on the bottom screen and when you open it back up you know then the the thing that you have in, they had on the top screen would imprint on the bottom screen kind of thing and so they use that system going to sleep thing is an indicator that you close the system to, to do that. So it's like gimmicks like that, that, that really challenge you to use the physical um, traits of the system to, to, to solve puzzles and things like that. So, so it, it, it's, it's like a fun gimmick. And, and I can't remember if the original trace memory has a lot of this, to be honest. Um, it definitely became more and more of a thing as, as they went on with like another code R and things like that. But, but yeah, I definitely feel like the, the trace memory was like kind of the beginning of, well, I mean, I think it was one of their first games. Uh, it might not be their first game. Uh, I actually have Glass Rose on the PS2. Uh, that was also by Sing. And I have not played through that yet. That game is uh, a little more, I'd say, not user-friendly like Trace Memory is. Um, it's, it, it requires you to do some, like, guessing on terms of, like, selecting different bits of text that somebody says and like questioning you know the information they're providing you in a way that that is a little too specific for for you know what a human might use like like sometimes it'll be like oh i want to know about your daughter and then so you highlight your daughter or something like that 
but the game is like actually we'll only let you ask about their daughter if you just highlight daughter like stuff like that it's it's kind of finicky in that regard um so probably trace memories probably a a kind of a course correction from that game in some ways um but yeah i like the game and i like the game aesthetically um i don't really know if i'm saying anything here i guess i'm generally talking about seeing as a whole i'm trying to think of if there's any specific puzzles that were like very very ds oriented but just like nothing is really coming to mind off the top of my head i do remember one of the biggest challenges i had with trace memory is the sliding block puzzle at one point in the game um during the sliding block i i I hate sliding block puzzles they're they're my least favorite like not not like an ocarina of time kind of sliding block puzzle but like you know you have a, a screen full of tiles and there's one free tile space you have to slide it around and reposition all the tiles by moving around i hate that stuff and this game has one of those, and it definitely was like, oh, when I saw that, I think I got, maybe it was the last time I had to get somebody to have somebody else help me. I got my my brother-in-law to instead um, come over and solve it for me. Like, I don't want, I'm so sick and tired of this thing. I don't want anything to do with this anymore. <laughs> so I had him solve that, and then I could finish the game kind of thing. There are multiple endings in that game. I never ended up going out of my way to do it. And interestingly enough, if, you, if you've only played uh, Trace Memory or Another Code in, in Europe, if you only played one of those games, uh, the translation actually differs between the two games as far as I understand. So as far as I understand, Nintendo of America translated it first, and then Nintendo of Europe did a translation that was more faithful to the original Japanese um script if i recall correctly so so if you have only played or if you played a bunch of scene games and you're curious to see the difference between like a trace memory and another code it might be worth checking out i never did it myself so yeah man i don't know if that was anything but i sure did talk about trace memory for six minutes so i guess we're gonna finish the podcast with this thank you for coming (laughs) um in terms of you know my face being on screen will that continue that depends on if it requires me to do a lot of extra effort uh, I would. I don't expect so. So I'm probably not going to do any kind of fancy editing. I think generally people are okay with like cut edits during during you know video stuff. So I don't want to. I probably will. will just you know cut it as I need to kind of thing. But I also might not cut it too liberally just to prevent like you know having three three things where I just like suddenly cut to say like you know one sentence, but it's like three cuts for one sentence kind of thing. Who knows? Who can who can say? Anyways, for what's coming up next, um, so I have the Doraemon, uh, Doraemon Two Animal Wakuse Densetsu, I believe is what it's called. Um, uh, Game Boy uh, casual review going up this week. And then the week after that, I have um the the Super Mario Land. Uh, featured review going up so so two game boy games coming up here and then the week after that i have bionic commando rear or uh, elite forces so a lot of game boy games back to back here i did a lot of game boy game playing for some reason but we are beyond that probably no more game boy games for a while uh but if if you love the game boy these are the these next three weeks are for you <laughs> um last week i had the last rebellion casual review went up it actually got quite a bit more traffic and likes than i expected so if you went and watched that thank you i appreciate it was not really expecting that uh and we're still playing billy hatcher i thought maybe we were close enough to beat the game last week but uh we got to the end and basically it was like oh you need 25 essentially stars to to finish the game so we'll we'll go ahead and try to see how far we get this week with that i don't know how long it's going to take to get the additional i think i have 10 more stars that i need uh to to access the end end game of that i i might i think the end game of that game might kind of changed my opinion on the game the reason why i say that is because uh if you look at the end of the stream last week um the the level design 
for the later level seems to be a bit more open-ended compared to the first two levels in every, every well, first two objectives in every stage, I guess just to say. Um, those are very linear linear experiences for those, those those first two. And I went back to the original original level and uh, played the last, last few missions for that, and they definitely felt a bit more um, explorative. It felt more like a, a Super Mario kind of experience rather than kind of this funneled experience where you're kind of going from point A to point B. Maybe, maybe you can almost compare it to Mario Galaxy in some ways, those first two levels, in terms of how they're structured, not the quality of such. I, I think Mario Galaxy is a great na- game. I'm very hesitant to call Billy Hatcher a great or maybe even good game. Uh, but, but I think this might be a chance for the game to kind of show me its other hand. And maybe the real, the real answer is that if you play Billy Hatcher, you should be focusing on completing out entire areas first, rather than just doing the, the minimum required number of stars per area. Um, it's always hard to say with that kind of stuff because I feel like Mario Odyssey had something similar where you could like go to an area initially and you could move on beyond it after you got a certain amount of moons or whatever they're called in that game, you know, the star equivalent. And, and after you have gotten those, if you moved on, like it probably was better for you overall because eventually you'd have to come back and do a bunch of stuff in those areas anyways. But it's just no way to know as the player, you know, whether or not you should be, you know, scouring these places for everything possible or if you should be moving on and then coming back to it later because you have some you know power-up advantage or or maybe just you know it's it's a bit it makes more sense from a variety perspective to just like go and try different levels rather than just you know focus on the first level all the way through then focus on the second level all the way through so we'll see how that goes i'm still trying to figure out there's going to be some kind of in-between game on on after billy hatcher i'm having a little trouble finding something that's going to fit in there i do have one thing in mind that we might be able to sit down and just kind of play for a bit but not actually plan to beat so that that might happen uh and then after that i think we're going to play espion agents i forget the u.s name i think it's maybe called like spy something i don't know it's a, it's a hunex game i'll have to look at it um let me actually i'm gonna grab my copy right now it's called industrial spy operation espionage in the u.s i think it's called espion agents in japan though so yeah that's a video game that we will probably play. It's like 20 hours long, and I, I think I've talked about it before. It's a very, uh, <laughs> a very confusing game. It, it, it has a pretty unique play style, um, so we'll see. I, I, I had a lot of tr- trouble with it when I initially started playing it, but hopefully we can hopefully we can get through it without too much trouble. I think the how long to beat says it's like 20 hours long, so hopefully that is accurate. Anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControllBoard.com is the website. If you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe. And then, yeah, other than that, have a great week. Bye.